Do you think UFOs, the paranormal, weird history, cryptozoology, and outsider art are pretty darn cool? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to High Strangeness with your host, Steve Berg. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to High Strangeness. And tonight I have my good buddy, Darcy Staniforth. And I'm just going to give you a little bio. Darcy is an academic writer, performer, and paranormal investigator. She has been interested in the paranormal since she was very young, and that interest has carried her into both personal and professional life. Darcy holds a BA, MA in American Studies, and in addition to the paranormal, her research areas include race and ethnicity, gender and sexuality, ideals and institutions, and death, dying, and grief in American culture. As an artist and performer, Darcy is a podcaster, comedian, writer, and amateur magician. She currently resides in a haunted house in Southern California. That is a very interesting bio, my friend. Thank you. It's like they go, give me a bio, and I go, I, I do all these things. Yeah, I mean, but you, but you literally do do all these things. I do do all these things. I do do all these things. I, I want to just kind of start off, obviously, because one, I mean, we have we have a handful of things in common. We do, uh, obviously, the, our our interest in the weird, but comedy. Are you so I you know like I remember when you and I first started like chatting online and you're like oh my gosh I think we have a lot of mutual friends and then I kind of see we like you know like you I think follow Gareth Reynolds Gareth is one of my best friends in the world yeah and like you know some other people and I was like oh that's so weird like <laughs> so I did uh, starting in college the first time because when I, when I came back to college I was an adult took a little mm-hmm. little break there but when I was in sure. college the first time is when I got started in improv. Like Mm. I was on a comedy sports team and, you know, like the thing you do in college, right? So it's like one semester would be comedy sports and then the next semester would be the children's play where we then go to like elementary schools and be like, let's talk about dinosaurs, everyone, right? That's actually, it's harder than it seems, folks. It (laughs) is. It really is. It really, really is. And so um, from there, when I was done at Orange Coast College, I ended up uh, joining some other friends that I knew from theater who were doing improv at what is an, a former theater called the empty stage, uh, in Santa oh, Monica. Yeah. I know. I, I performed there years, years ago. ago right? I'm, I'm Pico. I'm Pico. Right. Yep, yep. 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 And so, uh, did improv for a long time, uh, there joined some of the troops there. Uh, some of us broke off and did our own thing. And then I honestly just got like a little bit fried from improv like just uh, need yeah, to take a break feeling <laughs> and then uh came back did some more stuff with empty stage and then did a little bit at ucb not i was not part of right. a herald team or anything like that but right like, right right and then right around that time my friend eva um because in that time as well i had been the hostess of a burlesque show in la at el cid and uh-huh. I, love, I love El Cid. El- I live very close to there. It's so cool. It's like such a cool venue. And really um, my friend Rachel had been like, hey, I want a hostess or I want a host, but a hostess for this burlesque uh, sideshow and cabaret is what we had all three, which awesome. was amazing. And so my friend Eva had like seen me and she goes, oh, I, I booked you to open the stand up show and like MC. And I'm like, I don't what i don't do stand-up and she's like but you do that's a big ask i've seen you mc and i was like i 
I guess I don't, I'm going to, okay. Cause I'm, I like a challenge. And so started doing stand up and getting in that world and podcasting at the same time. And then through some other life happening, and then also going back to school, I like stepped away from that because um, mm-hmm. when you start uh, feeding American studies or really a lot of academic stuff in your brain, you forget that you're funny for quite some time. <laughs> Where I was like, I would literally be like, I don't know if I'm funny anymore. <laughs> oh no, have I lost this edge? Um, and so like, I think coming back into that with like podcasting and like mm-hmm. writing and, and different kinds of performance uh is is like come back but you and i know similar people i was on uh when gareth and dave anthony were doing their podcast yes uh our my old old podcast group scoreboard which was not about sports it was about music soundtracks and scores we came on when they were on playboy t or playboy radio which was right fun and um so i know gareth through like podcast festival and like all of those people and then you know murray who I was, yep. I've known now for many years and like, we just all like, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. All these connections. It's, it's a very, well, it's weird because, uh, there's two comedy worlds in LA and I guess like New York, but there's, you know, comedy, like yes. comedy store, you know, people kind of improv people. And then there's the alternative comedy scene, which I, I sort of danced in both. Like I started out kind of doing more traditional stand up, but then. I kind of moved to Improv Olympic, UCB, Second City, and like we're just doing. I was like doing comedy and laundromats at two in the right. morning, and that was actually way better. The crowd, the audience was way better. It wasn't full of you know. I, I loved it. I thought it was like the best years of comedy for me. I was <laughs> doing like weird, weird. I uh, love the weird rooms. Weird I love the weird shows. Um, because I was I was a regular at M Bar when that was happening. Oh yeah, I loved M Bar. M Bar was so great. We would my friend Fawn and I would be up there like every Tuesday night, and my friend Tom was one of the producers. Um, because we had gone to school with BJ Novak when BJ and Scott mm-hmm. were still working together, and like, um, so it was like M Bar like every you know every week and so you have the regulars and then you have the comedians in the back and so i'm also yep. like getting to watch these amazing shows but then meet people who i like had Absolutely. been fans of forever you know right right well because bob odenkirk and like all the mr show people would drop by there and do uncabaret you know oh yeah like, oh yeah beth lapidus show yeah so good so good so I, so I, many I of those it. like odd rooms like mm-hmm. i just i i miss that a lot yeah. and so mm-hmm. when people are like Oh, I'm just doing the show at this place. I'm like, no, 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 that could probably be the best show like you've ever right. done, which is I love. It's 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 weird, you know. It's funny because like I feel like uh, right before I left or moved out of L.A., the alternative scene was sort of dying off a little bit. Yeah, but it's interesting because now I live in Omaha, and Omaha's kind of got this really weird, great history of like indie rock and like independent art, and now all these punk clubs that like the bands like Curse of Owns or Connor Obers from Bright Eyes. Yeah. The cool comedians come play at their clubs. Oh, that's awesome. And so the alternative scene is like now like is like rolling here. And it's really <laughs> that's, great. That's amazing. And it's, yeah, it's super fun to see. But uh, I'm, I love it. I I'm love ex- it. Now I'm like, I guess I have to visit Omaha. <laughs> you, it's, hey man, Omaha's, Omaha's hip. You know, Rolling Stone once, once renamed it Emoha because oh, there's so, <laughs> so much sadness. There was so, so much. much like, uh, yeah, we're a very like Cure and Fugazi hybrid. Uh, that's the sound of Omaha. <laughs> wow. Wow. <clears throat> that That's impressive. Also, yeah. um, Ian Mackay is one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. He's one of the yep. nicest people ever. 
Oh, you've met him. So, okay. So when I worked for um, Henry Rollins at his publishing house. Cool. You worked for Henry Rollins. Yes. For two years. It was a, it was awesome. a weird time in life. Um, yeah. And so I worked for 213.61 and Henry and Ian are like besties. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old from school. way back. And so uh, whenever Ian was in town, he'd come in, but he would never, it wasn't just like he'd go right into Henry's office because we were in a, a duplex and like Henry's office was on one side, we were on the other. He'd always come in, just sit down like, hey, Darcy, how's it going? Like, how, like yeah. what's going on? Or he'd Aww. call our office and he's like, is Henry here? I'm like, Ian, you can call him directly. Like you, you don't have to go through me. And yeah. so I'd be like, hold on. And I like go next to him. Like Ian's on the phone. He's like, tell him to call me on my phone. <laughs> so, yeah, that's amazing. But Ian's Ian is the sweetest, greatest, just like Aww. genuine, nice guy. I love hearing that. Cause he is a boy. I've been in, I mean, since minor threats, since I was like 12 years old, I've been a huge fan of his, you know, I saw yeah. Fugazi when I was in seventh grade, it changed my life. Uh, how does that not life. change anybody's life in seventh right. grade? <laughs> yeah. Right. I saw him at a bowling alley for five bucks. And it was like, <sighs> My world was turned upside down. I loved it. What a gift. What yeah. And I was watching in Twin Peaks had just come out and like my whole, I was becoming who I am today. Like right in that very moment. I love that really, so much. Yeah. Music rules. Music rules. It does. I am going to switch gears into a little thing I like to call the paranormal. Have you heard of it? Mm, yeah, I think so. I th- yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, because I know you have got a deep interest, and I actually, you and I, our paths kind of crossed through our interest in the weird, in the weirdness, right? Yes. So I'm wondering, and this is such a like I know question you probably get asked a lot, and people maybe get tired of people asking this question, but I actually genuinely want to know: When did you get into this stuff? How did you get into it? Was there an experience, or are you just like I like weird, dark things? <laughs> yes. Um. So. <laughs> I mean, I have been interested in ghosts and paranormal and stuff since I was little. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but then like that also compounded with like parents kind of encouraging it because there was a family ghost story that I heard very early on. So my dad was English from Sheffield. And so when he and my mom first got together, they took a trip to England. And I think they were maybe like just married like they were, you know, they didn't get married like immediately, but like they, it, they'd, I think just gotten married and, um, but they went to England and my mom was like, I want to sleep in a place with a four poster bed. Like I really want to sleep in this place with a four, four poster bed. And so, uh, my dad rented this room in this kind of like literally like converted castle in England awesome. and they were in, uh, in their bedroom that night and could hear noises from next door being like, like people were fighting and screaming and they were going back and forth on like, like, you know, like what's going on and all of this stuff. And so the next day they went down to the front desk and were like, I don't, what happened like next door last night? And the concierge was like, there, there's nobody next door. There's nobody next door. However, however, the uh, man who is rumored to have killed a maid who was also his mistress also had the surname Staniforth. Whoa, that is weird. So probably the ghost is like, I know you. And so here you go. So like that was like that was like early story. Then my my Nana and my dad's mom who lived with us when I was little 
would talk about me being an old soul all the time. Like, oh, you're an old soul. Mm -hmm. So I was always kind of raised with this idea of like, here's, you know, here's me being an old soul. But I, in search of, oh my gosh, obsessed with in search of as a child. Um, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Uh, Mysteries of the Unknown books. I still have mine Mm -hmm. here. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're still coming to that old address. (laughs) Like yes. they're like we were, never stop publishing. Were, were you like me? I was because I, I like I, I was the same way, and I had all these old books and like the Time Life series. But I remember legitimately being like third grade in line waiting for my hot lunch, and worried that the kid ahead of me would, or any kid in line could spontaneously combust. <laughs> because I had read this story about this woman who was on a cruise in the 1930s who supposedly spontaneously combusted at a buffet line, and I was like. Well, I'm, it, 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 it like troubled me. It kept me up, up at night. <laughs> so not that, but I will tell you the piece of information that like changed my world as a child. Cause my dad, my dad didn't have a lot of formalized education. He had about a seventh grade, uh, seventh grade education. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he loved science. He, lo- he would have loved all this, by the way, like he would have loved all the people that I am friends with now, like that since he's passed, like he would just, he would totally dig it. He would dig the paranormal conventions, all Uh that. And he would give talks like slideshows, slideshows, like with the carousel to my classes on like the planets and the solar system. And my dad was a very good storyteller and the thick Yorkshire accent, like added to that for sure. Um, But I can remember the first time he's like, well, one day the sun will die. And then we'll all die because it'll be too cold. <laughs> That's heavy, Dad. It was so heavy. And I can remember being a little kid in the backyard, like, looking up. And I'm like, is that today? Like, I'm having this existential crisis at, like, five. <sighs> but I'm That's a big feeler. Crazy. And I look back on all these spaces. And I was like, didn't people not understand this much earlier on? Because I was, like, very Concerned about things like people were like i don't think you need to worry about the sun burning down i'm like but it i heard it's gonna burn out like but if i don't some no one's going to someone's gonna worry about it <laughs> someone has to worry about it it's me it's me yeah but i you know i was like any book i could get my hands on at the library any if the book fair came to town i wanted books on ghosts I wanted, uh, I was really, the two things I was really obsessed with at the library were books on ghosts and the paranormal UFO, anything like that. Also, uh, scuba diving. I don't know. Because I love the water. I love being swimming. Sure. So, but just like really into those things and, Uh um, you know, like, like I've I've not ever been like super gothy. Like people right. think like, oh, you talk about death. You're the goth girl. I'm like the brightest goth you've ever met. Then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like as a kid, I made a, like a fake funeral home <laughs> like that I would I like created a business plan for. So like, oh my God, clearly I was processing a lot of things as yeah. a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, I would just say you're advanced. I think that's fair. I mean, I was around like a lot of adults. Like I was one of those kids that are like, oh, she's fine with adults. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I don't, but I was also like, I'd like to play with She-Ra and G.I. Joe and He-Man and play Super Mario Brothers and Atari 2600. So. Right. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it is interesting. Cause I mean, like I, I, I was like, I, I guess sort of an eccentric kid where like I was into a lot of this weird stuff, but I was also really into like, tearjerker adult movies my favorite movie as a kid and i'm not joking and i was like probably four or five was terms of endearment 
I was obsessed with that movie, and I still am to this day. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, but I'm like, that's not normal. <laughs> so, Steve, I'm not laughing because of Terms of Endearment. I'm uh-huh. laughing because the film that I watched over and over and over again as a child, that I still know all the lyrics to all the songs from the soundtrack, is Neil Diamond's The Jazz Singer. <laughs> I love that movie. Love on the Rocks. I, I my parents took me that at the theater. I barely remember it, but I it was great. Well, I liked really sad things. Yeah. As a kid. <laughs> oh, I like sad things as a kid. I like sad things now, I and too. I would like. And again, I think it's the big feeling, right? And so I remember yeah. once in like I think it was like third grade. You know, they'd have those like writing assignment books where they give you a prompt, and then you're like yeah. supposed to create a writer thing. And I can remember, even though we didn't watch it in school, you couldn't avoid the Challenger explosion, right? Like, mm, no, yeah. That was, oh my gosh, this teacher, yeah. these people, yeah. it was everywhere. And so we had a prompt after that about like a wacky mechanical invention. And I ended up like going rogue and then writing this tear jerking, like, I mean, tear jerking for a third grader, right. um, prompt about how... It, my invention was actually the challenger. And I really felt that my teacher would be like, well, well, done. like I felt like Ralphie and Christmas story. Like, yeah. plus, plus, plus. Nailed it. And I got a, a comment back. That wasn't the assignment. Yeah. Oh man. And I was like, come on. But you yeah, sad stuff, yeah. adult stuff. Like, yeah. Ab- yes, absolutely. And then see, so you and I, I continue to be like, we're weird yin and yang because you yeah. have feminine middle name uh-huh, and I have masculine I middle name. <laughs> I do. <laughs> we complete each other. We Darcy. complete each other. <laughs> oh my together, God. We're, when our birthdays are close together, we discovered. So you two know, days apart. Two days apart. We're which, both Libras. Which we're both Libras. So this makes like begs the question, are we the Wonder Twins? Yes, probably. And if we're the Wonder Twins, do we get a monkey? Uh, please, I, I've been watching videos of monkeys wearing backpacks lately, which has been helping me during these troubled times. <laughs> Can I tell you my favorite monkey? Well, there's two favorite monkeys I have is um, Baby Monkey riding on a hippo. That video and mm. song, glorious. Yep. And then also the Ikea monkey from a few years back that was just in the oh, tiny shearling. So somebody it up. owned a monkey. And um, they shouldn't have. And they were clearly in a place that was cold enough that they had to give the monkey a small shearling coat. Oh. And while they were in Ikea, he escaped out. And then he was just like standing in the door of Ikea. Oh. Poor little thing was terrified. So precious. Ikea yeah. monkey and his tiny shearling coat. Oh, monkeys. God. It's time for them. Just give Earth back to them. Hand them the reins. So, <laughs> so Darcy, uh, as I'm you know, known to do, I am all over the place. Same. I'm, I'm, we're going to bounce. We're going to play some jazz here. With, I love it. T- today, this morning, over when I had my second cup of coffee, I threw up your TEDx talk on my, on my old television set. And it was, wow, bravo. So Thank impressed. You. It was truly like fucking unbelievable i'm gonna use, i'm gonna use a curse Ooh. but it was really really something else and i i with your permission i will link it uh in the show Absolutely. notes please I, link I would it. highly recommend people watching it. i won't spoil too much of it but i just want to um you said so many damn interesting things in it but uh you know you were talking about ramdas and had some ramdas quotes and i thought a ramdas quote that i heard 
not too long. It wasn't necessarily a quote. Was he was talking about how like in Amer- in the Western world in hospitals, we see that every death is a failure. The yes. doctor failed. They messed up. It's malpractice. It, it wasn't their time to go. But he's like in, you know, like the Vedic traditions and older traditions. They're like, no, death is not a failure. It's, you know, it's succeeding. It's like a, it's a positive thing. And, you know, like preparing yourself for death is actually seen as like a really positive thing. And you touch upon these kinds of ideas in your talk. And I just kind of want to get your, your take on that kind of idea and those differences. Yeah. I, um, I love the work of Ram Dass. Like, I do too. Big just, time. there's so many times when like, I will listen back and it's such simple wisdom, but I have to sit with it for like a while. Like, we're mm-hmm. like I'm going to need to ruminate on that. Yeah. But I think that one, we're a really death. Like, as I say in the, t- as I say in my Ted talk, get over it. Just be proud. It's I'm going to so tell wonderful. you that the comedy part of me took, ev- it took everything in me at the end of it for not to go. And thank you for coming to my Ted talk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I did not do that. Um, but I, th- you know, we're a death avoidant, grief avoidant culture. And mm-hmm. we don't like to talk about death. We don't engage with death. We keep death outside of our everyday, right? Cemeteries mm-hmm. are on the far reaches of our, our cities and where we live. Um, we are constantly striving for youth, like trying to be youthful all the time. We got to be youthful and youthful. And in American culture, we super don't value uh, older people and elders no, right? like, at, all. at all. And so when we look at how like doctors and hospitals, they see these things as a failure. Mm-hmm. It's because they are, I think it's through a lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not a doctor, so please don't come at me all in the comments, but, but like, you, you work with this stuff. I mean, so you are, a prof- I mean, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I think that it is very much, like we're all supposed to die Mm -hmm. and when we're young or these like we can't you know cure something or whatever we do look at it as a failure because it's not adhering to i think the cultural constraints we've put on each other right but i think that's because the over medicalization of death is expected yeah and i think actually this is where i love my field of american studies but i actually presented a paper on this a couple years ago that um part part of what uh you know we love zombie narratives we love zombie movies and zombie tv shows and things right. like that and uh zombies can be an analogy for our desire to die a good death right. because in every zombie show at some point or movie someone at some point in some way says don't let that happen to me Right. Don't let that happen to me. And so I think when we over medicalize death, we keep somebody on life support for too long. We keep them alive and don't allow them death with dignity. Yes. We turn them into zombies. And it is really not that over medicalization is not for the dying. It's for the living because they're not ready to let go. They're not ready to say goodbye. And that's not me sitting there going like, Oh my gosh, saying goodbye to your loved one. So easy. It's not, it's painful. It's hard. Like I was the, you know, secondary caretaker of my dad who Mm -hmm. I think had a really good death, but it's, I mean, it's freaking difficult. Yeah. But at the same time, like we sat down very early on and had a conversation with him and the hospice nurses about like, what do you want? 
What do you want at the end of this? And I think that when we're not, we get into magical thinking about death. Like, oh, if we talk about death or we plan for our death, then it's going to happen. But I think people think it's going to happen right now. It's not. It's, It's eventually going to happen. Yeah. But I've also seen on the other end of people not planning. And so then their family or their loved ones are left in a lurch or they're left you know, having to think about what to sell off of that person bef- to pay for the funeral, yeah. even though that should be a day of mourning, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, to me, it's like the new, there. there's the Victorian version of a good death, but there's also like the new sociological view of dying a good death. And that's like, did you live a good life? Are you leaving with things kind of undone in a way? Mm-hmm. Like there was still more to do, which like you would hope that, you know, I don't want to ever be a person that's like, I'm ready to go now. Just I did it. Me, right? like, <laughs> yeah. Done. Check. There's the bucket list. It's complete, yep. you know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like not having to go through painful procedures that aren't gonna like it, is it gonna save you? Right. No. And so, and I'm very much a proponent. I haven't been quiet about this with death with dignity. I think people have a right to choose to die. And I know people go like that's suicide. I'm like, it's not suicide. It's not, it's different. And like, there's a great documentary. If people want a better understanding of this called how to die in Oregon. And it is a documentary from years ago, which was like really at the forefront of even before, like, um, the Brittany Maynard where she was, you know, one of the first people to really come to the forefront of, um, death with dignity and, um, like, but other people talking about it and a woman in there in that documentary who is, um, like talking about, cause she has, um, stomach cancer. I think she has uh-huh. stomach cancer and she says, you know, I'm not, I don't want to die. Like, don't be mistaken. I don't right. want to die, but my body has made other plans. Yeah. And so, and I think there's so many misconceptions around it. In fact, I have a friend right now who is um, supporting another friend who's going through death with dignity. And we've been chatting a lot about like tips. <laughs> How do I do this? And it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, let's just talk. Let's just be present. You know? Um, but I think so much of that comes out of us being death avoidant and, and wanting these long drawn out, like, like, oh, you know, I want to live for 90 years. And even the transhumanists, like getting to transhumanism for a second, like the transhumanists talk about curing death, but what they don't, I don't hear them talk about is curing disease. Right. Because if my body's alive, but I don't, I can't remember my family. What's what, the point? What's yeah. the point? <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if I, if my brain is alive, but I can't move my body at all. Like, right. If I'm in chronic pain every day. So I think that people need to get more comfortable with death. Right. And, uh, cause it's <laughs> statistics show. But <laughs> 100% of us are going to die. Yeah. And so, you know, but it's part of what I talk about and I can talk about it really frankly, right? Like Mm -hmm. here are some facts and these are things I know about death and like death laws in different states and what you can and can't do. But I also think it's really important to find people when you're in loss or you're, um, you know, experiencing things like with people you love 
that can sit with you in the really hard stuff. Right. And listen in the really hard stuff because I don't think everyone can. Right. And it's okay if not everyone can walk with you on that, but you just, I think at those points you go like, "Mm, I need to find someone else right now. Right. Well, and you mentioned something that I actually wrote down and now I I can't. Oh yeah. Is it? No, not disenfranchised grief. That's not, I want to get to that, but what do you call bright side? Oh, bright siding it. Bright siding it. Okay. Cause I feel like I have been guilty of this in my, we all in the past, you know, because I am so, I am like by nature, a positive person, not necessarily with myself, but with other people. I really do want to help people if they're unhappy and do everything I can as a friend or even just another human being. But sometimes I feel like I will fall into bright sideism when maybe what they need is just for me to like, you know, say, Hey, this does suck. (laughs) You know, like, and you know, I, I think that it is, here's the thing. We all mess up. Yeah. We all mess up. Um, I had a friend, uh, back seven years ago, lost their spouse very suddenly. And I was texting another friend about it. And accidentally texted those things to the person. Oh no! Nothing bad, like yeah, nothing. Yeah, but still, yeah, you're good. But I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah. I'm so sorry. Right? Yeah. So we all mess up. We all mess up. But I tell people, it's better to try than not trying. Right. And I think that, like, I, I. <laughs> training experience i don't know i think because i'm i'm very open about what i study Mm -hmm. people then i'll say like oh yeah like i throw it out there just as a very general thing and then oftentimes people will be like they'll just want to talk to me about it Mm -hmm. and so i've been really honored that people have wanted to share a lot of those things with me because i don't take that lightly like that's not you know it's not just this casual thing they're talking about Um, but I also think that we, there are definitely people like, yes, bright sighting, but I think there's also people that just can't sit in uncomfortable. They can't listen to uncomfortable. So then they bright side as a way to deflect that uncomfortability and kind of shut down the conversation. Cause that's exactly what it does. Right. Right. It's exactly what it does. And, um, that's so difficult for people right because then it's about you and it's not about the person you're trying to help Mm -hmm. um but again like like i think it just goes back into that like if you know better do better right yeah and so like if people are more and part that's part of the reason why i i did the talk right like and like just the way ted talks work in case folks don't know is like you're before a board and you pitch them three ideas. It's like a pitch session at first. Mm-hmm. And you talk them through the different ideas. And then they say, oh, like, let's focus on this one. And so I had pitched them a couple ideas. And that's the one they really wanted to focus on. So I just started drawing from my experience with students right. and from my own life. And because more and more in my everyday work, I was engaging with students who are experiencing these things. And it was very unjust and very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you know better, you do better. And if you mess up, say I messed up and I'm so sorry, because I think if you're not a malicious person, like we're not malicious people, No, people are going to go like they meant well, but they like, that wasn't it. Like, I know you're trying to, that just wasn't it. 
Yeah. And even yeah. reflecting back and saying like, hey, I'm really sorry if I brightsided the other day. I didn't mean to do that. Right. 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 No, but I mean, like, and that was the thing about your talk. I honestly think it's like really for everyone to see because it really does help you listen, learn to listen better and respond in potentially a more constructive way. You know, like just it's like it's just it's to me it was a really good like um, directional guide on how to help people who are going through a really rough time. Yeah. And that that is so valuable because I like, you know, I cherish my friends, my friends, my family, you know, and my family is my friends. So it's like yeah. the most important thing in life is, you know, well, I love the paranormal comedy and all that stuff, but it really is. It's like the shared experience we have with people on this planet, you know, so if you can be a better, you know, person in a time of grief or a better friend in a time of grief, then wow, what a wonderful thing. And I feel like your TED Talk really is a thing that gives that to people. So bravo. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I'm just calling it like I see it, sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, it kind of made me wonder, too, because, you know, I mean, when people are going through grief, like, I, it, it, you know, you do, you know, I, I think sometimes, like, I, I was, I grew up with no religion, so I don't really know what it's like to have, like, be born with spiritualism or something mm-hmm. like that. But I would reckon part of being a spiritual person, part of the positivity is d- helping to deal with grief grief and death and stuff like that. So what I'm wondering here, and I kind of feel like for myself, I know the answer, but like, do you think studying, investigating, researching the paranormal and high strangers is a way to help deal with gre- grief and death and the whatnots? I, told, I, I think it is, even if people recognize it as such right because um you know i i definitely you know i was in a in more conservative faith community conservative is not the right word uh because i have not ever like i've not ever been a person of exclusion i've always tried Mm -hmm. to be a person of inclusion so when i was in more let's say traditional faith communities let's put it that way um I think that's one of my biggest issues with traditional religion in a lot of ways, um, especially Christianity is because uh, I don't, I think Christianity is very grief avoidant because mm-hmm. it's very like they're with Jesus now they're with right. God. They're in a better place. It's, it really is bright side. Right side. Yeah. And I can remember a friend of mine who lost his sister very suddenly and we got together and he he had texted me and he said, can we, can we get together to talk about how much God sucks? And I said, totally. Mm-hmm. And he said, if one more pastor or religious person tries to tell me that this was God's plan or this is all these things, like I'm going to punch him in the face. I'm like, <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so like, you know, and we don't in America as a whole, unless you have certain uh, like certain cultures and faiths have very strict, uh, you know, mourning rituals and culture, Jewish folks, uh, Muslims, um, you know, thinking about like some of my students who come from other countries, like, uh, Vietnamese culture, Filipino culture, things like that. Right. Like uh-huh. where culturally or faith wise, they have that. The rest of us are like, I don't know, you're sad. And then you bury them or you burn them. And <laughs> Do we have a funeral or a celebration of life, right? Um, and so it's it's a lot of like put it up on a shelf and put away. Mm-hmm. And so tying into your question, I think that as we investigate 
the paranormal. Like, when we're talking about ghosts, right? whether we admit it or not, we're talking about death. Because yeah, if we're in, if we're not too far into the, like, interdimensional phenomena, that kind of area, right? If we're not right. talking about it in that space. Then if we're talking about ghosts, it's like, well, you know, you ask a lot of people, was it good? Well, that's somebody who died who's haunting mm-hmm. a place, right? Mm-hmm. Very simplistic version of that. And it's like, then we want to know, right? Like, well, how did they die? What happened? Yeah. Why are they haunting this place, right. right? And I think that it helps us kind of process through mm-hmm. the things that maybe in our own space we haven't been able to talk about. Right. Right. These um, these difficult topics that we can't talk about. And so when we hear those stories, I think it helps us process through when people I mean, like people want answers. They want to know that their loved one is okay, And I think that they want to know that they're okay, Mm -hmm. Right. Like um, and. I think we go towards that sometimes to be like, okay, well, if I can get some answers, maybe I can better understand. Like, and I think too, cause I, you know, I, I've talked to folks who like after somebody they love passes away and maybe they haven't been like visited in a dream or they haven't mm-hmm. like felt them around. Um, cause I, I find people who were not spiritual at all or like religious at all have even said like, I kind of thought I would, feel it or sense right. it. Right. See a little bird land See, on my, yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. Right. And so, um, but I think like they want that. Um, and so it's like, you know, having that conversation of like, well, maybe they're not, you know, trapped, right. We talk about ghosts being like stuck or trapped a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's like maybe, well, if they're not stuck or trapped, then my loved one must be okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think this is our, you know, because our fascination with death, we we avoid it, but we're also fascinated. So we're like, let's, we're let's read about NDEs. Let's read about, yeah. you know, like people who've come back. Let's I mean, spiritualism. Right. Like, of let's course. talk about spiritualism and the rise of that during a time when we are seeing a country in turmoil. Oh, yeah. Turmoil. A world in turmoil. A world in turmoil. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it all feels familiar, um, yep, but like, I know. <laughs> you know, like, and so you think about like just wanting these answers because nobody except for like NDEs, like no one's really come back. Right. And yeah. even people, there's people that go like, well, NDEs are near death. They right. weren't dead. And then other people are like, oh, I was dead. Yeah. Like, I was gone. <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, I think it's a way for us to engage with it. Right but not as directly. I hear you. Well, I also think just being interested in the mysteries of life is a very like good way to get out of your own head and stop obsessing about your own issues. Right. (laughs) And and even like, you know, even just to, um, because I have to bring this up, while like the paranormal and stuff clearly feels like you're, you're, it's a part of a study of death and dying, you know, and, and life in general. But so kind of is the UFO field, which sounds weird, but Ann Streber, Whitley Streber's wife, she was kind of in charge of collecting all these stories after Kimian came out. She was getting hundreds, if not thousands of letters about people with their abduction stories. And there was a couple of things that really stood out to her. And you even find this in other abduction books and stuff, is that people, when they're on board the quote unquote UFO, they see dead loved ones. Yeah. 
And she kind of had this revelation, like, well, Whitley, I believe, and I goes, Whitley, I think this all has something to do with death. And that simple quote kind of led Josh Cutchin, who I'm a big fan of his work, to write those books, Ecology of Souls, where he kind of makes the argument for UFOs being, having something to do with death. And I am deep me, into volume one of Ecology it's, of Souls it's, right it's now. It's a great book. And, so it, good. And even volume two even hits harder because volume one's kind of a setup for the, the second one. But like, it really is. I mean, first off, he's such a next level think, thinker in these fields, really taking the ball far down the field. But I, I find that so fascinating. So like, I do feel like high strangeness is almost the study of death and in a very constructive way. It's the mysteries of life. It's like, it's the same thing to me. It's like, what happens to us after we, after we die? We will never know. I'm convinced. What does the UFO represent? We will never know. I, I think. And that mystery of not knowing, but trying to ask better questions about it, I think can be a very constructive way to go through life. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. And, and I think like it ties back into like, if you're uh, to me if you're doing it well i don't want to say doing it right because mm-hmm. like everyone's doing it their own way but like doing it well you're evolving your critical thinking absolutely right like you're evolving your critical thinking i'm actually <laughs> i'm teaching critical thinking this semester and mm-hmm. i have my students uh going through a book right now called how to think about weird things oh cool and so it is a it is a true critical thinking book written for like collegiate mm-hmm. level but it talks about like, all right, how are we going to think about UFOs? How are we going to think about cryptids? How are we going to think about right. parapsychology? These kinds of things to teach them to critically think. And part of the reason I want them to critically think about those things is because I don't want them to be indoctrinated into really dangerous places yeah. because that is the other thing we all see in the high strangest world where Ooh, you go like, yeah. this person's fun. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this person is very problematic. This oh, person's no. a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, this person's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. This person, you know, like I, I can, I've been in rooms where I'm like, oh, oh no, oh no, yeah. no. Like I just yeah. want to freaking Homer Simpson it like into the bushes. Like please, please, please. Right. Because and like I don't want them to experience that. Right. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. But I can like I can give them tools. And I think that as we whenever we're engaging with more than ourselves, right, whenever we are thinking in these critical ways and thinking outside like the tactile, right, Uh the what's in uh front of us, I think it enriches us. Right. This is why really good art is amazing and film is amazing and music is amazing. And so like for me, and I try to be like a very inclusive, welcoming person, but I do get a little judgy when people are like, I'm not really a music person. And I'm like, yeah. like what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you mean by that. I know. I don't, I, know. I don't, I don't like that makes no sense to me. Cause I'm like, know, do you too. not want to be moved? Do yeah. you not want to be happy or sad or like raging or like, what you know yeah. or uh, i don't really watch movies or i don't i don't like i don't really read yeah and i'm like oh oh okay and so it's like i want to continue to learn like i yeah. want to continue to pull it all apart like give right. me a new okay like i have so many books here <laughs> steve that i'm just like like i gotta get to those and then yeah. i gotta try not to bring in any more but yeah uh-oh, it happened. <laughs> I know. I just I just ordered two books. I ordered uh, Alan Greenfield's new book uh, about the Black Lodge, and I ordered... What else did I order? Oh, uh, 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 
I can't even remember. That's how great my brain is. But yeah, it's it's like I'll never have enough time to read all the books I want. Yeah. But it's but it's fun to try. <laughs> yeah, and I just got last weekend. My friend Noel gave me a giant book of occult books. He's like, Ooh. or box of occult books. He's like, hell yes. Do you want these? I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. I, I need do. all Thanks. of them. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wanted to bring up uh, something you talk about, um, and that's and you've talked about, and that's the idea of gallows humor. And I am, I will admit, and I know, and like, look, I, I will say, I am good at when and when not to do gallows humor. But I admire people who are able to execute a bit very well under high dramatic situations. And I think it is a great way to let the air out of the tires and kind of provide a little levity to some very heavy situations. What, what is kind of though, the, as someone who is specialized in, you know, grief and stuff, what is kind of the line in terms of gallo humor? It's like, when is it okay to do and when is it not okay to do? I mean, that has such a hard question to answer, right? Because, right. you know, you and I both being in the comedy world. Mm-hmm. We want to make bits of everything. <laughs> we want to make bits of everything. And we also know how we joke with our friends. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I know. There are I things, know. like, if folks heard the things that comedians said to one another. They're awful. It's We're awful to one yeah. another. Yeah. But also, we think it's hilarious. Yes. Hilarious, right? And so... um. You know, I I was actually just talking to Tenny about this at Paracon. Mm-hmm. Who is actually a comedian? Be- before uh, Paracon? Yeah, with uh, when him and Jess were out in LA, and because I borrow Todd Glass's joke about his friend asking him, you know, oh Todd is is your dad still dead? And Todd was like, yes, thanks so much for asking. <laughs> yeah. So it's so brilliant. It's so simple and it's so brilliant. And so like that was my joke. And so Tenny shared that uh, when, and I hope I'm not overstepping Tenny, if I am, call me out. Uh, But like Tenny would share like people, you know, he'd say, oh, my mom died. And he'd say, oh, I'm so sorry. And he'd go, why do you have something to do with it? (laughs) And I think that's hilarious. Right. And we were at Paracon and he shared that. And someone was like, he's like, oh, my mom died. And they're like, I'm so sorry. And we both like, did you have something to do with it? <laughs> um, so I, I enjoyed that moment a lot. Uh, but I think it's like, it, I think Gallo's humor just comes out when it needs to, right? I mean, uh-huh. I, I definitely, because like that comedy brain kicks in sometimes and I have to stop myself like, this is not the time. Yep. This is not the time. This is not the Hold audience. Hold it back. This Hold is, it back. You know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, people just need to be in their grief sometimes. Yeah. And I think sometimes people let that air out of the tires. Sometimes just to let the air out. I think sometimes mm-hmm. it's also a, um, a conversation excuse me i think it's also sometimes a a moment of almost like snapping at someone mm-hmm. like when somebody maybe is bright siding or something and they'll right. be like oh hey by the way um and you know i guess the line if there's any line i think the line is let the gallows humor fall to the person who's affected by it if that makes sense like i do yeah I can make the joke about my dad still being dead and those who are in my inner circle. But if someone else made like some intense joke about my dead oh, dad, yeah. I'd be like, I don't know you. I'm I don't know. Break you. Your nose. <laughs> who are you. 
Hmm. I'm like take off my earrings. <laughs> yeah. Somebody hold Rings this. Like, off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that might be more the line, you know, uh-huh. that makes sense to me. And some people just are not gallows humor, but I have always been gallows humor. I like, am too. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I, you know, the people that I loved as a child, co- comedy wise, it's like Dana Gould. Oh yeah. Right. Who, grandfather. He, I don't think Dana appreciates being called the grandfather of alternative comedy. He is. He's, he's not one, of one but yeah. he's so good. But I think about people like, Dana Gould and George Carlin. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, watching like Stephen Banks go from like uh, Stephen Banks Home Entertainment Center to like his Billy the Mime stuff, mm-hmm. which is so dark. And I've been in rooms with people who don't get him. And I'm like, yeah. this is a brilliant. Yeah. But that's I think that's me. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a taste thing, but I think you're right. I think I think that's a good kind of rule of thumb. Like, let the person who's grieving dictate. Yeah. When the gallows humor is appropriate. And you'll know. You'll be able to feel it. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not, then you should be doing gallows humor. Because <laughs> there's some people who definitely can't read a room and you're like, right. oh, oh. You're right. Oh, you missed that mark, didn't you? Right. But that's part of being a comedian. That's part of a talent of being a professional comedian or someone who performs comedy is being able to read a room. So Oh, absolutely. You would hope. I mean, that's kind of like the biggest trait to have, not just being funny, but being able to know what a room requires to make them laugh so yeah absolutely every room is different as we all know um so i like kind of talk staying on the comedy thread i have been like thinking i think about these weird patterns and kind of motifs a lot and i will obsess about like a couple weeks ago i was really obsessed with roads and why things take places in roads but lately i've been thinking about you know, some of the emotional impacts that come with people who have, you know, like really dramatic encounters with, you know, uh, UFO occupants, you know, ghosts, cryptids, you name it, you know, mm-hmm. even psychic premonitions. And I do find a lot of these, like, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Like there was this wonderful case, I think happened like 10 years ago in Arizona. And I think it might've been on the Navajo reservation. I believe it was a Navajo. Uh, I cannot remember his name. He wrote a book a couple years ago. Anyways, it was a, Nav- Nav- a, a tribal police officer. And he was talking about this case, this kind of like dramatic case where this woman was being followed by like a structured cracked light Mm. all the way home, all the way back to her house. And when she pulled up into her driveway, there was a 10 foot tall rabbit and, but its fur was plaid colored. And while that is probably maybe potentially, and I'm not trying to laugh if this woman felt a lot of trauma, but on the outside looking in, that is very funny to me. And I think this phenomenon, while there is a lot of trickster elements to it, a lot of times it is just straight up funny. And I wonder, Darcy, is that maybe because comedy, like absurdity, makes you think a little bit harder about it and maybe makes a bigger imprint because it's such a heightened emotion. Like fear, you know, a lot of times people will feel just utter fear and maybe that helps make the imprint too. But sometimes I think it's just really funny and I wonder if comedy whatever their phenomenon is, uses comedy and archetypes from us to make us kind of laugh. <laughs> I, I, right? Like, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it did, right? I think, right. you know, my first thought is, did that plaid rabbit mean something to her? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. is that something that meant something to her? Right. Um. But yeah, maybe that absurdity, right? That... um. 
uh, I met someone at Paracon. I'm not going to name names, but they were like, uh, I didn't realize they had been there the whole weekend with us. And uh-huh. I said, I'm so sorry. I missed you. And they said, I'm going to do something tonight and you won't forget me. And I was like, oh, oh I see. I see that- what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. By saying that. Yes. But then as this person was leaving, they were like uh, talking to me. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. I'm so sorry. Like we hadn't met before. And then they booped my nose. <laughs> and I was like, correct. I'm not going to forget you. And if not you do that again, you. I'm going to break your face. Let's get <laughs> it was so like, I was like, I just got booped. Um, so I also wonder too, if it's like, here's that thing mm-hmm. that you're not going to forget. Right. Because I also like now it's like, okay, speaking of rabbits, let's go down this rabbit hole for a right, second. Right, See right. what I did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's also like, was this person being reached out into other ways and they were missing it? Uh-huh. Like was the, the strangeness, the being whoever, whatever was trying to connect with them was right. like, Hey, Hey, and she's just going about her what day. It's like, no, 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 over here, over here, over here. And then it's like, no, no. Boom. Plaid rabbit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And totally. it's like that. Oh, my gosh. But I do love like I love the absurdity of a plaid rabbit. I love the absurdity of space pancakes. Yes, I do, too. I do, too. And, <laughs> and, and Well, honestly, like if I have to be like, and I'm not, not trying to like a like a UFO hipster, but uh I do tend to gravitate towards the weirder, the more surreal, the more dreamy an encounter is. I find myself believing it more. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like if you wanted to like make up a story, you would probably say like, well, I met uh, these gray aliens from Zubal Ganubi who are part of a galactic federation. And you would start putting it into these science fiction narratives. And whenever I hear those kinds of encounters and cases, I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. And I kind of push them aside. And this is me just being snotty and I'm probably not doing a good job of researching, but when they are really weird and absurd, for some reason, I had this like feeling in my stomach that they're real. (laughs) Well, and again, because like you think about like, these are people that are coming out to be like, here's my experience, which they don't know how it's going to be received. Mm -hmm. Right. So would you rather have something that sound, you know, like if, if you're going to, I don't know, make up a story, right? are you going to go so absurd that people are like, Oh, okay, okay, Martha. All right. Sure. Plaid rabbit. See you later. Like, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Space pancake. Like that is putting your entire reputation on the line. Absolutely. That is putting everything out there in this experience. And this is why we hear from experiencers that are like, I wish no one knew. Of course. I wish I'd never told anyone yep. because now my whole life has been ruined. Right. Yep. Um, and so I, I, but I also love the idea that the universe is like, you think, you know, yeah. guess what? You don't know. Right. Oh, well, by I'm, the way, here's this. That's exactly right. And, you know, in like, you know, many greats like valet and Keel have said before me, but there is a self negating property to all this stuff where it's like, once we think we have what it is, it's going to completely 180 and flip it on its end and totally. show you some different. You're like, wait, no, I thought I was almost there. I thought I understood this stuff. And like, you know, and, and that is, I almost wonder if that's like part of whatever the phenomenon is perpetuating the mystery and leading us on these breadcrumb trails to nowhere with, instead of we getting an answer, we get a thousand more questions, which I wonder sometimes, is it the point of this phenomenon to just make us like, 
hungry and excited to understand the world around us in a deeper, more meaningful way. You know, like, I, I mean, and and if that is it, that's the best, uh-huh. right? I think so like, too. I get really, I get frustrated with these people, but I get more sad for the people that think they know it all. I agree. Like that, I, and I'm I'm not even talking about high strangers, but like, no, I I know what I know, and I don't need to learn mm-hmm. anymore. And I'm mm-hmm. like, really? Is it? This is this. Yeah, you're done. No, thanks. Like, I want to keep learning. I want to keep here. You know, when people are like, can I tell you a story? Yeah, totally. Uh Do you want to learn about this thing? Absolutely. And it's not even just in like high strangeness. Like, I want to learn about different aspects of nature. And I want to learn about different aspects of like mechanics and science and music and all the like. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that is what keeps us our mind shirt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to this, like, chasing youth, but, like, I think it's what helps keep us, like, younger. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not done living. Yeah. I want to keep living as long as I can, until I'm not living anymore. Right, right. Well, and, and there there is a wonderful uh, side effect or symptom of being really, you know, really into this, you know, weirdness in general, because... You can't just listen to a podcast. You know, you can't listen to this podcast and get all the, you know, be satisfied. You're going to have to read a book. Then you're going to have to read uh, a bunch of books that were referenced in that book and so on and so forth. Like, I feel like, you know, I've said this a bunch of times in my podcast, but like, I think Jeffrey Kripal said, UFOs are one of the few studies where for a year you'll be reading about UFOs when you get into it. But then the next year you'll be reading about Arabian mystics from 2000 years ago. Right. that is actually how you understand UFOs better is by reading about like, you know, metaphysics throughout, you know, the course of man. It really is like you, it, it just, it broadens your horizons in, in my opinion, in such a positive, wonderful way. Well, and you know, I think that broadening your horizons, oh, it's great. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, like have whimsy and wonder in your life. Uh-huh. Like what is wrong with whimsy and wonder? There's right. nothing wrong with whimsy and wonder. And so I, I've never been down with the whole, like people who are like too cool for school. Yeah. Like, Oh, you're into that. Mm-hmm. I am. I am. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very fortunate, you know, cause you and I are, are similar ages as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very fortunate that like, I'm just like, I like what I like and you don't have to like what I like. And that's okay. Cause I like what I like. Right. You know? And I think I, this comes up a lot when I talk to people about magic with a C not magic with a K like illusions, Michael, right? Like (laughs) I love magic. I love good magic. I love watching people create wonder and people be like amazed. Mm-hmm. And um, that is such a neat thing because even when I know how something's done, I'm still amazed at watching someone decide how they're going to present that to someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, to me, it's like broaden your horizons, have whimsy in your world. Yeah. Ryan Singer says it's more fun to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Is that me saying, I believe every, like I, I I'm not skeptical or inquisitive or b- trying to be smart about phenomena. No. Yeah. But also, I don't want to be a curmudgeon. No. It's not no. fun. <laughs> it, it is. And I also think as a result of being in this stuff for as long as we have, and the more you read, and I'm always changing my mind about what I think this stuff represents, but you actually, as a result, become more skeptical. Yeah. And your bullshit oh, meter, your bullshit, you know, it's, you know, it's, interesting. it's like, 
so many of my friends like you just believe in all this stuff. I'm like, I believe in very little. <laughs> like, right. In fact, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I, I like I. The only thing I can say is like I think there's something to all of this stuff. But beyond that, I have no idea. <laughs> like you know, like. Well, and I think that like if there wasn't something to it, we wouldn't keep engaging with it. No. Or like yeah. we would have, I in a sense, like we would have gotten to the end. Right. And yeah. we haven't. <laughs> By far, we have yeah. not we have, gotten to it. We have it, a long ways know? to go. We have and a I don't long think we ways ever will. to go. Yeah. And, and like, great. Okay. I don't, like, I want to know things, but I don't want to know it all. Because then right. it's just like, and we're done. Okay. Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> Good night, everybody. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Last call. See you later. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and I like, I was listening to Jessica and Tenny on What's Up Weirdo one of the newer episodes talking about the the Bigfoot footage off the train that got debunked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were like, uh, you know, but aren't you excited when it ever, whenever it pops up? Yes, of course. Like of course. because people are talking about it. People are talking about the weirdness that we talk about, right? Yes. And to me, it's just like I love watching like these secret weirdos all of a sudden emerge in my life, and they're uh -huh. like, "You do what?" And I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I do." I do these haunted tours and also death and dying. I love ghosts here. Because my office at work is also like, I believe there's Bigfoot. There's a bunch of little Mothman yeah. figures. There's all kinds of like stuff. So there's not like, it's not, someone came in the other is that Bigfoot holding the Loch Ness Monster, a Yeti and yeah. Mothman? I'm like, it is. It mm -hmm. is. It's a custom sculpture that was a gift from my yeah. birthday. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. I love that so much. So here's a question I really wanted to ask you. And yes. think, first off, thank you so much for giving me all your time. This has been totally. I love this. I'm, I'm so excited we're talking like <laughs> I know. this, even though we've been talking, but I have I'm literally four pages of questions and we'll be lucky yes. if we get through one of them. So you're gonna have to come back on, please. I'm um, happy to. I want to know. Do you ever find yourself because I know you do investigate investigations? Do you ever find yourself using your professional like, you know, your, your, uh, professional, like, you know, skills to investigate. Like, do you ever use your, like, you know, cause I mean, you've dealt with grief and death and you've counseled people. So like, does that ever leak into your, um, you know, investigations? Yeah. I, I, I think it can't not like it, uh -huh. it has to, um, because I do a lot of trauma informed work and I train people on trauma informed practice as well. Um, but then also like the American study side comes in too. So like, I think one of the ways that I always come at things is trying to think about, you know, culturally, if we're in a space, like what is the age of the space? How might people act during this mm. time? Um, I'm vehemently against what I've dubbed brost hunting, which is yeah. a lot of the <laughs> come at me ghost. Yeah. Um, but like thinking about, you know, uh, being in, cause like even the house that I lead the haunted tours in the Kellogg house in Santa Ana, the, you know, I, this is a house from the Victorian era and the woman that we believe still is there, Helen died in 1963. And so I think about how do we act as guests in her house? Right. So like cultural context and those things. But then I also do think about, um, why things might be in a space. Like mm -hmm. I was just on a mini investigation last week and this house, which is a stunning Victorian home, which is, is now private residence. Uh, the last owners before these owners took over, it was a sober living house. Ah. 
And so thinking about the things that might show up there because of people processing their trauma, processing their loss, processing addiction. Um, And I, I think also too, like I try and, you know, I think one of the hardest things about explaining investigation to people is when you like walk into a space and you're like, Oh, I feel something. Right. Because they can't feel what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think, there are times that I'm just like, oh, this is, this feels sad or this feels, you know, angry or this, this doesn't feel malicious. This feels fine. And so I think those aspects come in. Um, and I, I just, I think I'm always trying to give it context and historical context, trauma informed context, but also American studies and historical context. But I'm also trying not to reverse project. Yeah. yeah because. Yeah. We love to do that. Like the the biggest example of that is everyone's anger at baby it's cold outside, right? The Christmas yeah. song. And they're like, it's so rapey. And I'm like, it's not rapey, right? And I'm not the first one to make this point, but it's like this is a woman who's trying to play coy at like culturally she shouldn't have been in a home alone with a man. And the idea of her staying overnight is verboten right like this would not be happening in this time but we go back and go like that's not a like that's not you know consent like what is he doing so i also try and think back looking at those things like i can't put the same you know views and feelings i have now on folks of a hundred years ago because they don't have the same language for things they don't have the same concept of things yes and it's like the house that i live in the man that owned the house before um, died a bachelor. Now, was he a bachelor as in a man that chose never to get married or was he a man that could not live in his true identity of being maybe somewhere in the LGBTQIA plus, you know, arena? I don't know, but I, what I do know is if he was, he certainly couldn't like live an out life at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think my brain is working. My brain is always working a lot of yeah. ways, but I think that those are the, some of the ways that my professional, like what I'm like trained in comes in. I um, love that though. I love, you know what I love so much is if, if, you know, if you feel like you are communicating with something from a certain era that you maybe have a hunch, you know, he or she or they or them is from, you try to put yourself in their shoes culturally. And I think that is really, I've never thought of that. That's wonderful. Cause like, yeah, if you walked in, like I've been in spaces and in, on investigations where like, uh, what seemed like child spirits were reacting to me. Yeah. But when men approached or male identifying folks approached, they stopped. Right. And so thinking about, okay, what interactions would these children have? Right. In the Kellogg, we have a little boy spirit that hangs out on the stairs, it seems like. And I tell my guests all the time, like, if you're wondering, like, well, why won't he just come downstairs? Well, in Victorian times, children didn't eat with adults. So he would know if he's from that time period, you don't come down and disturb the adults. I stay upstairs until I'm called for or whatever. And so, again, thinking about why things might be happening, you know, behaving in the way that they're behaving to just 
in a hopes to connect more, right? Because if I come in and I am rude or, you know, disrespectful, they're probably not going to want to interact with me. Right. And I also, you know, I also try and think about, and as I talk to people about this on the tours too, is I think about what if, because Helen died in 1963, what if 60 years after I died, a bunch of people paid money to come into a house and hear stories about my life that have been scripted by whoever and they are both because we tell negative stories and positive stories about her on the tour like how would i feel if i'm still hanging out in this space right how would i feel if investigators because i have heard of some investigators going into that house and not being respectful and right. she makes it known <laughs> she's mm-hmm. really like mm. like so I, I try and put myself in those shoes but also think about like as a person what would i want and how would i want people to act in my house how would i want people to talk about me those kinds of things right the golden rule so you were kind of like you know uh a friend of my barbara fisher who i had on you know a handful of episodes ago she was just like intent is really everything Oh, You're, yeah. She, and, you know, she, and she was even kind of like saying, like, look, everyone kind of bandies the term, you know, have an intention, set an intention. But <laughs> setting intention seems like, and I'm not a person, I've never really had a, you know, confirmation experience mm-hmm. with the paranormal at all. I feel like I'm kind of paranormal kryptonite sometimes. But, you know, I feel like setting an intention, and maybe I've just had the wrong intention where I'm like, I want to see something. I want to see something. They're like, chill out, man. They're like, well, Bert, know? bring it down. <laughs> Bert, bring, bring it, it down, down buddy. <laughs> A little intense. Um, but do you think there is a way, like there are ways, like before you go into an investigation or before you go to a spooky place or, you know, or, you know, before you feel you're putting yourself in a position to maybe hopefully see something. Is yeah. there a methodology that you would recommend to open yourself up or like a tool of divination, you know, even? You know, I, I was just asked about tools the other night, like, what's your favorite tool? And I'm like, right. it, it kind of depends on the situation mm-hmm. and what we're working with. And I'm, I, I will say this, I'm skeptical of certain tools for sure. Right. Dowsing rods and pendulums. Not because I don't think people can use those as real tools, but I, it's like, I don't know what your hands are doing if they're not in my hands. And I, I think you. my hands are not, you know, so, um, but Adam Berry actually gave a really good talk on this at Michigan Paracon Uh talking about setting intention, right? But also trying to go in neutral, Ah. going into a space neutral and trying to see how that changes the game. Interesting. And so some things that I do to when I know either I have a tour or went because even though I'm not investigating on my tours, I am, I still feel like I'm interacting and I'm responsible for these other people who may interact with mm-hmm. these, uh, these spirits. Cause we think there's three, um, intelligent spirits in the house mm-hmm. and then, uh, some other residual spirits seem to be in the house, um, based on the stories we have. I have, I've, I've interacted with Helen a little bit. The other ones, not so much, but there's been, there's stuff that happens in the house all the time. And it's not a rigged attraction. Like it is not, I don't have little people dressed as clowns. Like I just, (laughs) it's not, that's not me. I also don't do well with jump scares. So I joke on the tour that I would be like, okay, all right, everyone. 
we're gonna we're gonna go in this room now <laughs> like just be very nervous yeah. about it all the time um so i think on days when i have tours or if i'm doing an investigation um one i try and make sure that i'm not eating any animal products at all mm-hmm and this was something that some other folks had because I had done some like shamanic practice and stuff a couple years ago. And that was a recommendation that had been made during those practices. So I was like, well, let me try it with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to make sure that like if I've had a really hectic like day or like, oh, my gosh, like right now. It's a very busy season for tours. And right. so sometimes I'm coming straight from like day job to go leading a tour. I have museum hair. I'm like running out right. the door because I dress in full <laughs> Victorian mourning. Oh, that's awesome. And because uh, it's a way, again, to educate people about that. So I'm like sure. ghosts, history, architecture, death, <laughs> the Darcy experience, right? Um, and so I, if I've, if I feel hectic, if I feel stressed, I really try and get myself like I take a few moments, take some deep breaths, try and regulate my nervous system, like my vagus nerves with my vagus nerves, vagus nerve with some of the exercises that I know to just kind of bring myself centered because it's one going into the space and making sure that I'm not the one feeding the energy, but also I'm also going to perform in a way, right? Like I'm giving a tour and I'm, I'm telling people these historical things that I want to make sure I'm doing good history and not uh, misleading people. Mm -hmm. So I try and really get neutral and I usually listen on my way to the museum or an investigation to something on the spooky realm. Yeah. So listening to spooky podcasts, sometimes listening to like uh horror theme music or things mm-hmm. like that, that are just kind of getting me in that, like, Hey, we're going to be in this space. Right. But normally it's podcasts because again, it's getting my brain open to like, Hey, let's think about these things. Um, but I don't carry anything with me. I don't like I, for a while I was like trying to like kind of protect up myself and I don't feel I need to do that in the house anymore. Right. And with investigations, um, I don't really feel the need to do that either. Like, mm-hmm. I try and stay neutral, but it's not like, oh, I don't want to be the person who's like, oh, I forgot that thing. Right. Well, now it's all messed up. Yeah. So just trying to go in, like, real neutral. And, that's and I, good. You know, I think that's my advice. <laughs> I, well, I love that as advice because, it does, one, you don't have to spend any money. And it doesn't. Re- re- it really requires you to just put yourself in a more, like, chill chill zone you know so what could be bad about that you know like right and i think too because i do tend to pick up on people's energy like i and this i I have to do this with students too i need to make sure that i'm not feeding that back yeah right so if someone comes at like if someone comes in my office and is like all amped up and i just pick that up and then i'm all amped, like i'm not helping anyone right so i don't i don't want to be that person either so trying to you know, it, it can be helpful with like, oh, we're being welcoming and warm and positive because I, too, am a very positive person. Yeah, like I am, a, I am a like, let's reside in hope. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, glasses is half full kind of person. Not toxically so, but like. I hear you. Yeah, there, there is a line, but optimism is the only choice. I mean, like I I feel like and not the only choice I want to be so like, you know, black and white about it. But like, if you can try to be optimistic because like. Why not? <laughs> right. You know? And to me, it's like, I don't want to waste energy on being cranky right. or in despair. 
because there's so much and this and again this is not me being like just if you're depressed just be happy like it's not that because yeah. i you know health is health and mental health and mental health challenges is a real thing for sure for sure but i also like I I am very this is the Star Wars nerd in me coming out like so hardcore but like I feel like good like the light will win out the good will win out mm -hmm. over and does it is it easy does it do we lose people in it do we like you know is there a battle that needs to be fought sometimes yes but I think that good like that the force is there <laughs> it's real you know and so i think that making sure that again if i'm going into a space and i think about that with people too like mm -hmm. i don't i don't gosh who wants to be around the person who's like negative or frantic or yeah no no thanks. always seeing the despair in things you know like and i have some friends like that but and you know it's they're they have their own challenges <laughs> but you know like, sure but yeah. i i think we've all like i used to used to joke that I want to start a podcast called I Know Why You're Single. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that's where people would come on and then they would share with me for a while. And then I'd be like, are you ready to know why you're single? And then yeah. I'd like, I'd like lay out some hard truth to them. Uh, um, and, and it came out of folks like that who are always sad sacks, always yeah. like, oh, nothing ever goes right for me. It's right. always like everything's always the worst day. Uh -huh. And I'm like, okay. Like I, I hear that, but also there's a common denominator here mm -hmm. and it's you. Sometimes it starts with the man, woman in the mirror. In the mirror. <laughs> it oh. absolutely, if that wisdom from Michael Jackson can shine through. <laughs> I know. In the midst of all of the other stuff. I saw oh. a man at the Run the Jewels concert last week two weeks ago with a Michael Jackson moonwalker tattoo. And I was like, bold choice, bold choice. My friend, <laughs> how bold was that show? By the way, I love Run the Jewels so much. Um, so good. Yeah. I bet. So good. So it was night one of their four night LA residency uh -huh. and, uh, killer Mike and LP are such like they're, they're so in sync. Yeah. They're so incredibly in sync and they just play off each other and like they, it was so, so good. And I forget sometimes what it's like to be at a show where everything is up, yeah. right? Cause it's upbeat. And it was the same when I saw Prophets of Rage a couple years ago uh -huh. where everything was driving, driving, right. driving. And that was like right after the 2016 election. Yeah. So things were yeah. a lot and it yeah. was just like such a, a release of energy yeah it was so good i oh. was dancing so hard yeah and just was like that was an amazing show that was because yeah. they did the first album and then uh lp made a joke he's like we're leaving now and you'll never <laughs> see us again yeah. and then they came out and did another like hour wow and they were like this is the show where the encore is twice as long as the album that we just played i love those dudes let me tell you, that week was uh, Run the Jewels on Wednesday. <laughs> this is, again, when people go like, I listen to all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Peter Gabriel on Friday. <laughs> oh, wow. And that was that was an incredible show. I'm like, sure. Not similar music at all, too. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. But like <laughs> that, I run the gambit, you know, yeah. run the gambit. So run the jewels and run the gambit. You've got to. Being on the gambit, folks, stay on that gambit, okay? Stay on that gambit. Stay on the gambit. Darcy, thank you so 
much for your time. This has been a blast. We are kindred spirits. I had a feeling we were going to be, but like you are an absolute blast. You, are, I'm so happy to be new buddies with you. Me too. This is wonderful. You have to come back because I have to ask you the other three pages of questions. I have. Cool. I, but, you can, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You are such a wildly interesting person and also just a great soul. Thank Folks, you. I cannot recommend checking out everything Everywhere you can find dirt. In fact, is there anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you? Social media and all that good stuff. Yeah. So social media is just at Darcy Staniforth. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Yep. X. X Twitter. Twitter. We're calling it Twitter um, on this show. <laughs> and then, I know. Twitter. Uh, I think on TikTok, which I'm trying to be more active on, I miss uh -huh. Darcy Staniforth. But if you find one, you'll, you can link to the other and um you know the the haunted historical tours we run them all year long with haunted oc so it's like people are just like you do them all year long I'm like yep so if people missed out for spooky season and they're in the southern california area they can come in or even if they're out of the area and they're going to be in town for one well i'm i'm going to be in la for a few weeks in uh early or like probably late december early january and so yes. can we first off let's definitely go grab dinner and drinks but i also want to go to tour yeah, totally. So I think that's like the main thing. And then I'm getting through conferences and, and that kind of acad the other academic stuff. So, but anytime I'm doing anything, I'm usually trying to plug it. So Good. keep an eye out, follow me. And if I always tell people too, if you have a weird handle and you're private, like send me a message to let me know, like, oh, I heard you on high yeah, strangeness. Right. Um, because if not, I just think that you're going to be a person who's like, do you need a sugar daddy? And then yeah. I'm like, and I always mess with them. My favorite thing to do now is send them a link to this um, defunct carnival Bigfoot. That's $5,000. <laughs> and uh, if they don't buy it for me, like I go this, they go, I'll give you $5,000 a month. And I go, can you just buy this for me? And then it usually stops. <laughs> See another great hint from our friend Darcy. Darcy, you are wonderful. Oh, you are so fun. This was so fun. Folks, you will find all Darcy's information in the show notes. And uh, honestly, thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope everyone has a great dinner sometime this week. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be tonight. But at some point, give yourself a great meal. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to High Strangers. Darcy, say farewell. Farewell, everyone. Farewell. Bye, everyone. Bye.